When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's three past nine on your Friday morning on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And uh, the sad news came through late yesterday afternoon that we had lost uh, one of the true greats, Sir Murray Helberg, passed away at the age of 89. Uh, shortly, Joseph Romanos is going to join us, and we're going to talk about Sir Murray's legacy, uh, not only on the track, but off it as well. And, and just what sort of bloke he was. Uh, Joseph Romanos knew Samari reasonably well, and uh, he's going to fill us in on all of that. We're also, this hour, going to hear from Casey Frank. He's going to join us. Uh, and I think he's going to be in Wellington when we talk to him. Uh, but he was calling the Breakers last night. Another big win for them. Um, I think, what was it, a 24-point win against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in Christchurch. So we'll uh, hear from Casey on how he thinks the Breakers are tracking uh, for this season. Coming up after 10 o'clock, Dean Lonigan, boxing promoter. Uh, lots of fights coming up this weekend. David Light tomorrow uh, in the WBO. If he wins that, he'll get a title shot at the WBO Cruiserweight title. Uh, also Tyson Fury on Sunday up against... Uh, Derek Chisora, um, it's one that he should win, that you would expect him to win, and uh, lots of other news as well. What's Joe Parker's next move? How is Justice Hooney recovering from that broken hand? Uh, we'll have a panel as well with Lavina Good and Sarah Cowley-Ross. And after 11 o'clock, Albert Riera, the head coach of Auckland City, he is going to join us because they have the National League final at Mount Smart on Sunday afternoon. And he's also, of course, uh, famously, famously Spanish, so we'll get his take on his Spanish side who are in action this morning against Japan. In fact, the Japanese have just scored an absolute worldie from outside of the area, so it is one all between Japan and Spain. In the other game, Germany still lead Costa Rica by a goal to nil just after half-time in both those matches. Time now, though, to uh, reflect on the life of Sir Murray Helberg with Joseph Romanos. Joseph, thanks for giving us some time and welcome to the show. Thanks very much. You knew... Sir Murray, reasonably well, mate. Um, you, you mentioned that in a text yesterday. What what sort of bloke was he? Uh, away from all the pageantry, the gold medals, the, the awards, all that sort of stuff. If you sat down and had a coffee or a tea or a beer or whatever with Murray, what sort of bloke was he? Um, he was pretty reticent. Um, he was confident enough in himself, but he, was, he wasn't one to push himself. I remember one day I was sitting in a car with him. We were doing an interview actually in Epsom where he had a home at the time. And um, he, um, oh, he's, he, he was doing this for me 
for a book I was writing, Arthur's Boys, and he said, he, he said oh, I, I don't really want to do this, but I'll do it for Arthur and I'll do it well. And we were sitting there having a chat and he was he was all right, you know. And then this guy came along a footpath walking a dog and the dog had one hind leg missing and, and had a sort of a wheel contraption hooked up. Murray leapt out of the car, rushed across the road to talk to the man and looked at the dog and he was totally innovated and that was really... Um, what he was like, he, he always had an eye out for, for people who were struggling or the underdogs. They went through, the New Zealand athletics team went through Philippines one time and I remember Peter Snell saying to me, typical Murray, we all went and looked at you know, the tourist sites and he went off and walked around the slums to, to check it out. And, and that was him, he, he did have an eye out for those sort of strugglers. I, I guess that that's really you know how he will be remembered in a lot of ways for a lot of New Zealanders is what he did not so much on the track, but off the track, and how he used his fame and that, that gold medal from Rome in 1960. Yes, he. I mean, he, he's in our top 10 or 15 champion athletes of all time, champion sports people. First guy to break four minutes for the mile. He, the first of Arthur, Arthur Lydiard's great stable of runners, Olympic champion, two Commonwealth Games gold medals, lots of world records. A great, great runner, but it's overshadowed by what he did for New Zealand with his fame, setting up that Helberg Foundation and raising so much money for um, disabled children. Fantastic contribution he made. And, and to the wider New Zealand public, not the sports lovers, that, that's really the story, his story. Yeah, it very much is. I mean, you talk about some of the things that he achieved in his life. And I was, I was doing a bit of... Um, uh, a research ahead of uh, chatting to you just about some of the things that he had knocked off. And as you say, you know, uh, there were so many things, so many achievements on track and uh, and things that, that don't get talked about because of the foundation, because of the awards and things like that. But I was I was talking to my father last night. Um, it was my daughter's birthday yesterday, so he was around for dinner and we were talking and, you know, the news had come through and, and Dad's 70 and I said to him, I said, oh, did you hear the news? you know, about Sir Murray Helberg, and he was, you know, devastated um, to hear the news. And he started telling me he grew up in Glen Innes in, in Auckland, and he was a runner. He had, he had the schoolboy uh, mile record when he was 12 and things like that. And he just said, look, you know, those guys, him and Peter Snell were rock stars. They were the, they were the big guys that, you know, we really looked up to. It wasn't so much the All Blacks or the, or the cricketers or anybody else. It was those guys because they were doing such good things on, on such a big stage. Yes, and it's interesting, I mean, Peter Snell would have been the first to say this. He often talked about it. He looked up to Murray. Murray was the leader. They got to Rome in 1960 when Snell was 21 years old and Helberg was already an Empire Games gold medalist and had run a four-minute mile, a sub-four-minute mile. And so he said he just hung on to Murray's coattails and walked around and got introduced to other athletes by Helberg. And Helberg led the way. He is the pioneer of that era of New Zealand's uh, athlete, no question about it. And in that era, there were people like Don Clark, Wilson Winneray, Colin Meads, Snell and Helberg. They were household names. They were household names. And one of the other things that I didn't realise, a real big part of athletics history was the Bannister Landy uh, Miracle Mile in 54. Lydiard was a big part yeah. of that. He was a competitive runner in that race. Yeah, Helberg was, yes. He and Helberg and Bill Bailey, another one of Lydiard's runners, both were in that final, believe it or not, in that mile final in, in Vancouver, 1954. Of course, all eyes were on Bannister and Landy, but um, 
they were just young guys then, Helberg and Bailey, and it showed that they were coming through and they went on to confirm how great they were. In terms of Sir Murray's legacy, I mean, we've you know you've we've talked about what he's done on the on the track. Maybe not we haven't talked about that enough. But the other things that he did, I mean, I think for a generation of New Zealanders, who he was and what he did, and even you know working with the physically disabled and allowing them the opportunity um, to be able to compete in sports and partake in sports is overshadowed by the awards to an extent. Yes, I mean, you know, they were the New Zealand Sportsman of the Year awards for 50 years, 45 years, and um, it was obvious the name had to change. He wasn't very happy when they were called the Helberg Awards. He was not one to push himself, but he accepted that it was the best thing for the awards and it was the right thing to do, and he accepted it. But he certainly wasn't particularly happy about it at the time. He certainly wasn't pushing it. However, he was proud. I remember talking to him one day when we were walking around Auckland to Maine, and in 2008, and he'd just been awarded the Order of New Zealand, which is the really elite award, the top 20, 20 living New Zealanders. And he was particularly proud because he had taken over from Ed Hillary, who died earlier in the year. He had his medal. So he was very proud of that and proud to be in that Order of New Zealand group. I read um, some of uh, the interviews that I think you had done for that golden era of New Zealand athletics book, Arthur's Boys, um, particularly with Bill Bailey, and talking about how hard Murray Helberg was to beat. He's like, you know, he just never seemed to have an off day, and it didn't matter what you tried in that last 100 or 50 metres, he always seemed to have an answer. I mean, he, he was determination personified, wasn't he? Yes, you know what? I mean, he nearly died when he had that rugby accident when he was 17. He was in hospital and they didn't know if he was going to live. And he, he eventually came through it. His left arm was all withered and he had to become a right-hander. And Arthur Liddy had picked him up and trained him and trained him. And Helberg did it and, and looked up to Liddy and so did whatever Liddy had suggested he do. But to, to come from near death to become a champion athlete, I think that gives you a sort of a perspective on life and a tenacity that you feel like you you can do anything. And in the home straight, he was very difficult to beat. He, he, he was, Snell even said, he was the toughest guy to beat in the home straight. What did he do uh, post-athletics in terms of how he reinvented himself? Did you see that come about? How, how much of those conversations did you have uh, when you were writing Arthur's Boys? Um, you know what, he did a bit of coaching, not particularly successfully he, he wasn't he wasn't a, a loud lead from the front sort of dominating character he would offer good advice but he, he didn't have a particularly successful coaching career he didn't really do athletics administration he led a, a supporters tour at one stage over to a, an olympics um and he worked for a brewery for a while but it was pretty he was just a pretty normal new zealander except for the fact that he was a champion athlete who'd used his name to set up this foundation and then he and a lot of his energy went into making sure that went well because it wasn't just the Helberg the, what was the Sportsman of the Year awards that was the chief fundraiser for the year but, but that foundation went on all year with dinners and so on and he was integral to all that 
how um, defining in his in his life journey do you think that uh, accident was? That rugby tackle that you know you talked about. I mean, he he had uh, uh, problems around the, the heart with blood clots and things and nerve damage in that arm. Mm. Do you think that was the thing that opened his eyes to people with physical disabilities not being able to have the opportunities that normally able people would have? Yeah, oh, no, it was everything. I mean, what you said then is absolutely correct. That is what turned his mind that way. And it's also overcoming that gave him the confidence to succeed in life. And um, the other the other big aspect of his life was the arrival of Lydiard. Because he, he said, if it wasn't for Lydiard, he said, look, I would have been a runner and I might have, I might have won a New Zealand title. I might have. He said, but that would have been the extent of it. But he turned me into an Olympic champion and opened the doors for the rest of my life, enabled me to use my name to help people. So he said, he said meeting Lydia was the big thing, but I think the character forming thing was overcoming that injury. Yeah, it's amazing, really. I mean, Joseph, if I ask you how you will remember Sir Murray Helberg and how you think New Zealand should remember him, what would you say? Um, I remember him when he... I was quite interested to observe this. He, he, Dave Curry, when he was the chef de mission for the Olympic team and, and the Commonwealth Games team, got Murray in as the team mentor, and he travelled to Manchester in 2002 and Athens in 2004 as the team mentor. And I thought, well, how's this going to work? This guy is quite reticent. He's in his 70s probably, um, uh, and he's got all these 22-year-old athletes and, and divers and whatever in the team how and he never pushed himself but he was available and I watched them come up to him and they'd sit down and talk to him and they'd go away and they were inspired and he he had an effect just by quiet common sense and the stature he had because of what he'd done and so he related really well to a different generation and it was interesting to watch him using his stature to help people like that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. He was an amazing man by all accounts. I never had the pleasure, Joseph, but thank you very much for coming on today and giving us some of your thoughts and some of your recollections. I really appreciate it, and who knows, maybe there's a book in it. (laughs) Well, he did write a great book, A Clean Pair of Heels. I would have read that book five or six times. It's a great book, actually. It was written in 1964 at the end of his athletics career. Yeah, one one worth uh, checking out at the local library. Joseph Romanos, thank you once again for your time this morning, my friend. Uh, go well, and uh, I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All good. Thank you. Joseph Romanos there with us, a New Zealand journalist and author, the author of, amongst many books, uh, Arthur's Boys, The Golden Era of New Zealand Athletics. It is 17 past nine here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. If you've got any memories or recollections, of Sir Murray Helberg. would love to hear from you on those. You can call us on 0800 150 811 or you can just flick them through on double eight double three our temper bedpost text machine. Uh, one of New Zealand's true greats, Sir Murray Helberg, passing away at the age of 89 yesterday on Waiheke Island in Auckland. It'll be... We'll be back with your calls, your thoughts, your texts after this. It's 9.22 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier, and uh, Ricardo Paul in for Smithy. And uh, joining us on 0800 811 is uh, Brian. Brian, you've got a, a story, a recollection, a memory of uh, Sir Murray Helberg for us? Yes, good morning. Um, I've been a personal friend for 62 years, 
And I was in Rome Stadium September 2nd, 1960, when Murray won the gold medal. And that evening, uh, in my little hotel, I asked the manager, could he um, contact the New Zealand village? I'd like to speak to Murray. And uh, as it happened, it, he got through all right, and Murray came on the uh, on the phone, and uh, we had chatted for a little while, congratulating him for his medal. And then uh, I, I used to visit the family down at uh, Waiheke many, many times. And uh, on some days, when the, the tide was out at Little Aniroa, Murray and I and his two sons, Carl and Stefan, we would go and play cricket on the hard sand we might be there for a couple of hours at least and Murray was quite a decent medium pace bowler and um, you had to be on your metal to uh, keep him out or else he'd knock your pins over <laughs> but uh, we remained friends for a long long time and uh, went to many of his dinners and uh, I must tell you that when I visited him in hospital uh, a little while ago, he had his radio tuned to your station, and he said it never goes off that frequency. So he used to lie in his bed and listen to your station and and hear all the sporting things that were happening. And um, it's it's quite sad, although we knew that it was inevitable that he would pass when it does happen. It's pretty tough. Yeah, it, it it would be. I mean, eighty-nine is you know is a good innings, I guess, as as they say. But it's always tough yes, when you lose, 89 lose a friend. On July the seventh this mm. year, mm. but always tough, Brian, when you lose a friend, someone that's so close as you've been with him. Oh yeah, we we had great times down there. Picnics down at Waiheke. We we'd go wine tasting and. As I say, played cricket, and we also had a few rounds of golf at the uh, Anitangi Golf Club down there, and we did a lot of things, and and we just chew the fat, so to speak, you know, about sport. Mm. We just uh, mention a few names, and then we just quietly talk about them, and uh, yeah, it was just fantastic, yeah. Yeah. So, sad time, but a blessing in a way, because... um, uh, you know, he, he wasn't enjoying what was happening to him, but um, what a legacy he has left. Mm. Yeah, what yeah. a legacy indeed. The things he's done for New Zealand, uh, I don't think will ever be forgotten, and he'll always be remembered, oh. Brian. No. Yeah. Thanks for your time. No problem at all. Thank you very much for your call and sharing those memories uh, with us of uh, Sir Murray Helberg. I really appreciate it, Brian. Thanks uh, for your call. Uh, You can give us a call as well. If you've got something you'd like to say about Sir Murray Helberg, maybe a way that uh, he impacted on you or something you remember from his career or maybe a time you met him, you can always give us a call on 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can text us on 8833. Now, I've got an update for you from the Football World Cup. The Japanese haven't just equalised, they've gone ahead. Uh, So Japan now leads Spain by two goals to one and quite unbelievably Costa Rica have done the same thing. So the Germans led 1-0 in in that game. Uh, Costa Rica managed to uh, 
bring one, get one back, which was which was great from them. And now they have gone ahead. So as things stand, with Costa Rica leading Germany two one and Spain leading, uh, sorry, Japan leading Spain by two goals to one. Uh, at this stage, Japan and Costa Rica are going through to the round of sixteen, and Spain and Germany are both going out of the tournament. That's how things stand. At the moment, uh, there's about 20 minutes left in those games. This World Cup just gets madder and madder, I tell you. Uh, coming up shortly, we're going to catch up with Casey Frank. We're going to hear uh, from him about the Breakers, a massive win for the Breakers again last night. The South East Melbourne Phoenix uh, gave the, the Breakers one of their only losses of the season last time they met. Uh, but in Christchurch, 110-84. to 84. That is a big win. What are we talking? A 26-point win there the Breakers had over the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. They are tracking along. They are three games clear of the Sydney Kings at the top of the NBL ladder. So that is uh, a great effort from the Breakers considering what's gone on the last two seasons. Uh, we'll talk to Casey Frank about that. Uh, we'll also uh, have a multi for you in the next hour. We've got uh, Kieran and Robbie next door. They're coming up with a uh, an option each. I've got an option as well. And we are going to uh, give you a multi before 10 o'clock. As I mentioned, after 10 o'clock, Dean Lonigan, boxing promoter, uh, he's coming up to talk. Justice Honey is uh, the big Australian hope in the heavyweights. Uh, he is undefeated at the stage, and, and Dino is looking after him. He did break his hand in his last fight. It's the second time he's done it. We'll get an update from Dean on how he's tracking and maybe what next for him. We'll also ask him what he thinks is next for Joseph Parker. We found out uh, the other day that Joe's gone back to the UK. Some talk that he will be fighting early in the next, uh, early in 2023. Who is that likely to be against? Where does Dean think he will go? And then, of course, a couple of big fights this weekend as well. Number six rank in the WBO cruiserweight division, Kiwi David Light is fighting in Florida tomorrow against the number seven ranked fighter. If he wins that, he gets a title shot at the WBO cruiserweight title. That is absolutely massive. Another guy who's fighting out of the uh, Isaac Peach stable. Man, they are producing some great fighters at the moment. Peach boxing, so we will uh, we'll talk to Dean about that, and then of course uh, the big one, the big man Tyson Fury is fighting against Derek Chisora in the UK on Sunday morning, and uh, we'll get a uh, a take on that too from Dean Lonigan. And just uh, another update: the Germans have equalised against Costa Rica. Kai Havertz has uh, scored; he's on the score sheet. It is two all Costa Rica and Germany. So. If things stay as they stand with Japan leading Spain 2-1, Japan are definitely through. Uh, and then uh, well, I think Spain are still through because of goal difference after they put seven past Costa Rica. So I think at the moment the Germans still need to win. The Germans need to win this game if they want to go through. It is half past nine here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We'll uh, take a break and catch up with the latest in news and sport with Aroha. NZ, this is Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy and uh, joining us now at a Wellington Airport as he wakes his, makes his way north after calling the Breakers South East Melbourne Phoenix last night for Sky Sports is Casey Frank. G'day Casey, how you doing? Oh, very well, very well. Uh, always uh, nice to return on a trip after a fantastic effort by the boys, so it makes it a little easier to talk to the fans as I'm getting through the airport. Yeah, totally, man. A 26-point win for the Breakers last night, 110-84, to over the team that is sitting fourth in the ladder. Uh, South East Melbourne are always a niggly team, particularly for the Breakers, almost a bit of a bogey team. Were you surprised at how competitive, uh, sorry, how comprehensive this win was? 
To be honest, I was really surprised. Uh, you know, after the way that uh, the Phoenix dismantled the Breakers last time out, I thought it would be a much closer game. Uh, I think a big key for the Phoenix was not having Jochi. I think his size really does give the Breakers some problems. But despite that, they did the rest of their full contingent, and, and it just did not matter. Uh, so with, without Barry Brown Jr., those first two games against the Phoenix, they're relatively close. But his offensive wondery, what, what wizardry, what was just uh, on full display last night, he absolutely dominated off the bench. And, Really, the Phoenix had no answers for him or the defensive intensity that Berkers had as a team as a whole. They seem to be really together this season, the Phoenix. We've seen, uh, the Phoenix, I should say, the Breakers. We've seen a real change from what we've seen the last two years. It feels like uh, the ownership group have learned a lot over the last couple of years, and it feels like this is more of a Breakers in the mould of the old ownership. Yeah, I think uh, the team itself has heard some of the, uh, the criticisms over the last couple of years. Of course, all those have to be modified with the, the situation they were in playing over there, just trying to get through as a franchise. But that being said, they've recruited high-quality guys. I'm most impressed by the quality of the imports and the selflessness that they display on a daily basis. Uh, you know, they're always giving themselves on the defensive end, uh, especially in these games where you could see like guys coming off the bench and scoring and having a good time. I mean, the imports are among the first guys to celebrate. That's a rarity. I, I really think uh, that the fans around this Breaker squad should get around them because there's something special brewing there, and it's been a lot of fun to watch so far this season. I was listening to uh, NBL Overtime the other day, and they were, you know, talking um, the breakers up massively, saying, you know, favourites now to win the whole thing. And uh, I believe, I think it was uh, Anthony Williams said that he thinks that this import group is the best import group in the history of the NBL. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, uh, Homicide tosses that one out about three times a year for different teams. But it's so good to be able to hear about that at any point in time. You know, it is a really quality group. I don't know if uh, they have the, the pedigree or they don't have the reputation of some guys. But when you, if you look at fit, if you look at what, what's needed from the roles and the way these guys work together, the way they're able to sort of lean on each other defensively and on the offensive side of the court, it is really phenomenal. I mean, Grantley is an ex-NBA guy and has a real strength advantage against smaller players, a quickness advantage against big guys. He's got the ability to guard one through five for the breakers and, and just plays with a lot of passion. Gary Brown Jr. has been a, a revelation on the offensive end and much better defensively than I think the, even the breakers would have expected. Uh, quite often, he's taken that challenge of the opposition's best player, and he himself plays with the fire. You know, he's doing a lot of chatter to the opposition, getting under their skin and doing the play to back it up. And you know, Derek Parton Jr., he's been great. He's been as good as any big in the competition this year. His streak of double-doubles came to an end uh, in this last game where he was a couple points short, but he's a physical force down low, really protecting the rim. And just lifting guys up, he's there to clean up mistakes on both ends. And the way those guys fit, along with the local talent, it's been really fun to watch. And they're, I mean, at this point in the season, it just seems the recruiting's been perfect and it just fits together so well. Uh, early completed puzzle. How much do you think you've got to give credit to Modi Mayor? Uh, it seems like his man management has really brought the group together. Uh, quite a different character to, say, Dan Shamir in, in leading the dressing room. Well, you know, I think Modi's learned a lot of lessons uh, assisting uh, for Dan Shamir the last couple of years uh, of what not to do. You know, not that uh, he doesn't respect Dan's coaching and not that Dan Shamir's not a great coach, but Coaching in New Zealand and Australia, it's a different kettle of fish. You have to have a different relationship with the guys. You have to be more willing to be inclusive of their points. It's not quite the same as playing at a high level in Europe or in the United States, where it can be at times more my way or the highway. Uh, I think Modi being able to assist these last couple of years, be, become closer than the head coach was, 
would be to the to the players and to really get that feedback. He's incorporated a lot of that, but I, I think the most important thing with Modi is, is just, he's just so genuine. Uh, you can, you, he wears his passion on his sleeve. Everything he's saying to the guys, you, you can tell it's not something he wouldn't ask of himself, and he believes it. He loves it. He, he, he gets lifted by their success, and he gets brought down by the failures. And guys really are buying into that mindset. You know, they can feel the support from him. They love playing with him. I haven't talked to a player on or off the record that hasn't gushed about Modi and the way things have gone this season. And that's certainly a testament to the lessons that he has learned these last couple of years. Yeah, he's got them traveling real well. One of the other things I've noticed this season, uh, Case, is the, the amount of uh, three-point shooting and, the, and the, the percentage of their three-point shooting. It was against the Bullets. I think it was, it was close to 70%. Uh, that's through the roof. It's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it truly is. But early in the season, uh, they were one of the worst three-point shootings in the, in the league. Uh, it just wasn't quite coming together. Thomas Amicrombie has returned from injury. He's really lifted that perimeter shooting, changed the geometry of the court, the gravity has to space towards him, and uh, the way that guys like Willie McDowell-White, Liafa, Jr. are driving to the rim, defense have to be really perceptive of that. And You know, I, like coming into the season, and even a week or two ago, my big question about the Breakers was their offensive capability. Uh, would they be able to score with the best of the teams in the league when they really needed to? Yes, defensively, they've got a great baseline. They're always going to be a good defensive team. But especially when the three ball wasn't going in, there were questions, where's the scoring going to come from? Well, now you're not worried about the three ball not going in because this team is playing with a lot of confidence. And even when it's not going, they're getting great drive and penetration game from uh, McDowell White, from Liafa, from Brown Jr. And the bigs are also posting up, so a lot of offensive prowess on this team. And I think more than anyone envisioned coming into the year. Now they currently lead the league at eleven and three. The next is eight and three. Sydney, who obviously have three games in hand, uh, you'd rather have the W's on the board than the games in hand, though, right? I mean, do you think uh, Sydney can win all three and tie it at the top with the Breakers? Well, it's possible, and they do have a game against uh, coming in against the Breakers in those next three. But you always want to win. Uh, when you're able to lock those down, you never know what's going to happen. Injury woes can befall a team. The travel gets difficult. You can get the lays going on the road. All sorts of stuff can happen. So. You get those in the hand. Yes, they're tied in the, the loss department, but uh, my, I guarantee that if Sydney could trade places with the Breakers right now, they'd be happy to do it. Uh, pick up those three wins with the Jiffy. Uh, always better, and always, always better to be looking down on the competition than up at them. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, who this season uh, has surprised you in terms of not maybe not showing up like you expected? I mean, I'm looking at uh, where Perth and Melbourne sit as a starter. Yeah, I think Perth got a few issues, and I think a lot of their problems are based on the fact that they expect Bryce Cotton to gain his citizenship and be able to pick up another import. Uh, if that happens at any point during the season, they'll be a vastly different team. Uh, but, you know, they're not too far out of the mix. I think the Bullets have probably been the most disappointing. You know, that was a, that was a team that was put together with some ex-NBA talent and some prodigious local talent as well. And they just have not clicked on or off the court, and you know, firing their coach a week ago and going through some big changes there. So uh, that would be the team that, to me, is the most surprising, especially you bring Aaron Baines back from the NBA, a big money player for that prison bullet squad. Uh, Tyler Johnson, an ex NBA guy, a guy who's made forty million dollars in the NBA. As a squad, they just have not been able to get on the same page and play with the elite squads, as was evidenced by the Breakers' uh, blowout of them on their home floor last night. But they got a little get-back last night with the overtime win against Perth. Yeah, which is a good win for them. Uh, you mentioned Sydney Breakers next week. If the Breakers win that, are you confident the Breakers can go the whole way? Well, I'm pretty confident they've got a chance for it now. Uh, I look at Sydney and the Breakers as the two teams that are head and shoulders against the rest of the league. I think we're not too far behind them, but... 
a, a half step below are the Taipans, who are still trying to get their way up. And I think the South End, Melbourne Phoenix uh, as well, our team went at full strength so they can compete with anybody because they have one of those premier players in the league and Mitch Creek uh, and some solid talent around him. But to me, it's the Kings, it's the Breakers, it's everybody else. And Xavier Cook, at this point, in my eyes, still the MVP, best player in the league. But uh, there's there's a few guys on this Breakers squad that are coming for him. And I think uh, when we see that game next week, uh, they're, they're going to let them know about it. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that game. That's going to be a must-watch. Hey, Case, thanks very much for your time, man. I'll, I'll let you go grab a coffee in the lounge before you jump on another plane to get back to Auckland. Have a great weekend. No, I appreciate it. It's going to be a good one. Got the Perth Wildcats coming up. On Saturday, the return of Corey Webster. So uh, it should, should be a fun one for the fans to get in on him a little bit. Yeah, man, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great matchup against the Wildcats. Of course, uh, well, the SENZ Perth Wildcats, we're allowed to call them that. Uh, certainly owned by Harch, uh, uh, our boss. Uh, he looks after uh, them. I can tell you that uh, from the World Cup, uh, the Germans have not only pulled one back, they've pulled another back. So the Germans now lead 3-2. to two. Over Costa Rica, uh, it is still 2-1 to Japan over Spain. Five minutes left. Now, if things stay as they are, uh, Germany is still going out. They need Spain to equalise, and then they still need to score another goal. They really want Spain to beat Japan, uh, ideally, because uh, Japan have the head-to-head against the Germans, and uh, the way things are, the Germans are behind them on goal difference as well. So all to play for still here on SENZ at the uh, World Cup, the FIFA World Cup, of course. Uh, Group E, you can catch our live commentary from uh, Dan McCarty and David Choate as well. In fact, we might come back with that next. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, it's, uh, it's what would it be, 13 away from 10 here on SENZ. Uh, the Germans, I believe, have just gone uh, further ahead against Costa Rica 4-2. No, it's been ruled out for offside. I think that has been ruled out for offside. Meanwhile, Japan still leads Spain two goals to one. We have seven minutes of injury time. Let's join that call here from SENZ. Added time. We're into added time. And what have we got? Have we got a penalty? Have we got a penalty in the other game? Yeah, more drama at the other end. Germany, is it? There's something going on in the other game, Daniel. There seems to be to the sideline the officials go. That won't alter things greatly. I think Fulkrug has been brought down inside the area. Which would anyway, make 4-2. Who knows? Here's uh, Spain We're to the right-hand side and Carvajal. First minute of seven extra times. That's right, seven minutes, Daniel. A wee way to go for Japan before they can celebrate. Spain still searching for that equaliser. Great to have your company. No matter what uh, station you're listening to, if you've joined us live, don't blame you if you have, or if you're listening via the app. Extraordinary day's football. Japan 2, Spain 1. We're into at a time. One minute of the seven have been played. Ansu Fati, far side of the field. The left winger tried to twist away, but he's got two Japanese defenders. He goes down the line, a little back heel from Pedri. That's nowhere near where it needed to be. Gets too close to the byline. And Gonda speeds off to his right, slides in. Athletically takes another key ball for Spain. One and a half into the seven of added time. It's 2-1 Japan. Full crook with the goal, Daniel. 4-2 to two, Germany lead, so their goal difference improves. Not sure if that does anything for them. We'll have to no. unpack that. Well, they only need five more goals. And the there little... is only... And that would only... Minutes left in that game. 
We're a minute 40 into our seven minutes of extra time. Spain trail two to one. Japan have been on the back foot for the last 20 minutes. But their defence has been resilient. Their desperation to keep Spain away from goal has been impervious. They have not been in the second half as passive as they were in the first, Daniel. Hajimi Moriyasu, the genius manager, <laughs> let's call it that. Here's Japan in position on the halfway line. Play down the left for flank. Uh, can't keep it in the field of play as it was uh, Mitoma. And there will be a throw into Spain. Ten shy of the halfway line, right-hand side of the field. Two and a half minutes of the seven played. There's going to be ten additional minutes in, in the, the Germany-Costa Rica game. And I tell you what, Daniel, a goal here does put... Japan out. A draw here, wouldn't that do the damage? Yeah, Germany. They'd go to four points. Yeah, I'm querying that, Daniel. Let's, let's worry about that later. Seven minutes of extra time. It's two and a half minutes gone. Spain with the ball in the attacking third. Danny Carvajal. Out to Asensio. On the right flank, he comes back in field, finds Paul Torres. He plays a ball, stinging ball in towards the, the top of the area, but it's cut out through that blue wall. Anywhere will do. Anywhere will do indeed. And cleared away, out over the sideline. Japanese fans, head and hands. Time out here. It looks like Marita down with cramp. They will have run a few miles, this Japanese side. A first half, they played the rope game. They were second best in the second half they have got the go-ahead goal Daniel and have held on to it and they need to hold on to this uh, score line Rodri sprinting back inside his own third trying to get there in front of uh, the replacement Doan does do so in fact there was Asano my apologies three and a half minutes gone of the seven a goal would mean Japan's goal difference against Germany would slide below. That would be the tiebreaker. Ball played from one side of the field to the other where Alba collects on the far side, the left-hand side, comes back into a central position. Pedri plays the ball in towards the penalty spot, trying to bend it through the defence, but it's cleared away and every clearance being roared on by the Japanese faithful. It's punted downfield, 60 yards, stadium. but not a Japanese player moves forward, Daniel. They stay in their third. They know it's coming back. Their fans are living on the edge. They're on the edge of another famous scalp, a scalp that will see them into the playoff rounds. 2-1 they lead, a Spanish side, a much fancied Spanish side. Who have not looked overly. Here they come again, Daniel. The ball over halfway. I was going to say, I, 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 was, I was about to say uh, the things are looking uh, very uh, stayed in the Japan-Spain game. And I thought as soon as I say that, Spain are going to hit a worldie from 30 yards and score. But no, it's gone out. So we've got about a minute and a half left in that game, according to the uh, extra time clock that is running on the screen. Uh, we'll take a break, come back. We'll wrap the results from both games. Hopefully they'll both be done by then. And uh, we'll give you our multi as well. That's next here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. 
Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Yeah, you can bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app, app today. I can tell you, uh, tell you what, it's not Germany's favourite sport at the moment. It's football. Uh, they have beaten Costa Rica 4-2, uh, but they are out of the World Cup on goal difference. Japan have beaten Spain 2-1. So Japan are top of the group, Spain second, Germany third, and going home. It means in the next round, Japan will play Croatia in a knockout game, and Morocco, who finishing top of their group would have thought they would have got the easier draw, have Spain in the next round. So, uh, yeah, that's the way things have been uh, thrown up. Now, let's have a look at our TAB multi. Uh, I've got uh, Kieran and Robbie uh, in the kitchen doing the hard work. You guys have got uh, an option each. Uh, Kez, do you want to kick us off? Let's do it, Rick. I'm uh, flashing back to 2010, Ghana, Uruguay. Uh, Luis Suarez, handball on the line, kicked Ghana out of the tournament. They are matching up on Saturday to see who gets out of Group H. I'm taking Ghana, Rick, at $5. Ghana have scored five goals so far in this World Cup. Uruguay scored zero. So on paper, I think it's going to work out. They're looking for revenge. Give me Ghana head-to-head at $5. I like it, man. I like it. Uh, Robbie, what are you adding? I am going away briefly from the FIFA World Cup to the uh, women's cricket. Oh, I'm yeah, saying yeah. the rain's going to stay away. Yep. Uh, New Zealand women are paying $1.05 against Bangladesh head-to-head, so we're going away from that. Highest opening partnership, mm-hmm. $1.51. New Zealand women. New Zealand women, $1.51, highest opening partnership. I like it. I like it. Uh, so that leaves it with me, and I'm going to go back to the Football World Cup. Another revenge game, Switzerland versus Serbia. This uh, was a game that blew up and the Swiss got fined for the actions of some of their players at the last World Cup. Uh, I think Serbs have got too many goals in them with Mitrovic, Vlahovic um, and Milinkovic-Savic in midfield. I've got the Serbs taking this one out uh, at $2.60 and progressing to the round of 16. 1963. Boom. Take it to the bank. Get on. Take it to the bank. Up next, Dean Lonigan talking boxing. It's four past ten here on Mornings with Ian Smith and a man who knows everything about having a good time is Dean Lonigan. He joins us to talk boxing. G'day, Dino. How are you, mate? Very well, Ricardo. Is Smithy overseas, is he? He's in Perth at the moment, yeah. Um, Fox Sport have poached him to uh, be part of the commentary team for the Windy Series. Mate, how good is that? They obviously rate him as a commentator because he uh, he's world class. There's no doubt about that. Mate, you're not wrong. Smithy is, is one of the best kicking round, I reckon. And, uh, you know, we're lucky to have him here, mate, to be fair. But uh, good to see him uh, getting that opportunity with Fox uh, over over in Oz, uh, part of that Australian commentary uh, set up and keeping the Aussies honest, which, you know, takes some doing, as you'd, you'd be well aware. Oh, it's not easy. I can promise you that. <laughs> now, Dino, uh, lots are going on in the world of uh, boxing this weekend. Uh, I'm not sure where we should start. Maybe let's start with David Light, part of the... Uh, uh, the team uh, at Peach Boxing it's ranked sixth in the WBO in the cruiserweight division. He takes on Brandon Glanton, who's ranked seventh uh, this weekend over in Florida. Florida, his second fight over in Florida in a few months. He wins this. A WBO title shot is uh, on the line, you reckon? 
Well, potentially, yeah, he can be taken on Lawrence Acoli, but we'll wait and see if that's the case. He's got a very big fight ahead of him in, in, in Blanton. Blanton's very, very tough, got an incredible knockout percentage, and it's a real fight. It's by far and away David's toughest fight to date. He fought a Cuban in Florida about four or five months ago who he knocked out in the second or third round, which is quite an astounding performance from Dave. But if he can get past this one, maybe he fully deserves a title shot. But I'll be dubious to see if it is really an eliminator, because both guys sit at five and six, and you've got sort of one, two, and three, and four ahead of them. who will be looking for their own title shots. So uh, let's just wait and see what's uh, happening, because sometimes promoters can take a little bit of license, as you know. Yes, I know. Yeah. Now, now I, I watched a bit of um, bulletproof Brandon Glanton's uh, last couple of fights. Um, that left hook is a lethal weapon, but he he seems to walk forward with his head down a bit, mate. And he looks, from what I saw, the fight that uh, the last fight I saw of his, he got hurt by the uppercut a couple of times. So there, there are ways that David can really um, pick him apart. I think. One of great Dave's great strengths is that he's got a fantastic coach in Isaac Peach. And Peachy, I think, is he's running a little centre of New Zealand, if not global, excellence out in West Auckland slash the Waitakere's, where he's got his five-acre farm and his boxing gym sort of overlaid on top of that. Isaac's an outstanding coach, and if there are any deficiencies in Glanton's game, and every boxer, no matter who you are, has deficiencies, mate, he will find them and try and exploit them. Mate, it's a, yeah, another another famous son from from West Auckland. I don't know if he ever ran around for the Glenora Bears, but uh, he's he's doing West Auckland proud still. I don't think for one second he ran around for the Glenora Bears or indeed the Suburbs Rugby Club or the Waitamata Rugby League Club or Man Albert, all those other great West Auckland clubs. But uh, Peachy certainly had a, history, a great history in boxing. Um, you know, and like I said, he's one of the outstanding trainers, probably you know the second best trainer in New Zealand or of New Zealand origin behind Kevin Barry. Yeah. But uh, very, very uh, close to uh, to catching up to Kev because I've got no doubts that he will have a couple of world champions in the very near future. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Andre Mikhailovich is, is in there, Jerome Pamplone is in there, and of course Mia as well. And it looks like Mia's got a big opportunity coming up too. Yeah, Mia Motu, uh, she won in Dubai only, I think, one or two weeks ago. And, uh, of course, Pamplone and uh, Mikhailovich are both in my stable. And, mate, I've got to tell you, they're exciting, exciting young men. They've had a fantastic year this year, knocking blokes out left, right and centre and proving their worth. So uh, they're going to kick on to greater greater things and is putting, uh, putting some plans in place right now. So it's, it's a very interesting time, I can tell you that. Yeah, mate, exciting time. i tell you, another bloke uh, who's pretty exciting, who's also part of your stable, is Justice Huni. Uh, he had a great fight against Kiki Lutelli. You, you would have learned a lot from that fight because Kiki really pushed him, and that was a tough, tough fight and a, and a good win for Justice. Mate, Kiki was a, come across in incredible shape and put up an incredible fight. And based on that, here we get a lot more fights going forward, particularly in the States where guys want to test themselves. You know, Kiki, uh, we were very impressed with his durability, his fitness, and, his, you know, he can throw some big bombs and his ability to take punishment. Goodness me, he had a black eye that, as bad as I've ever seen uh, two or three days after the fight. He did take an enormous amount of punishment. And Justice is one of the best up-and-comers on the planet in the heavyweight division, just going to the top of WBO. And mate, not too many fights away before he's got a, uh, a world heavyweight shot himself. Yeah, how's his hand? I mean, he's, he apparently broke his hand in that Lutelli fight. It's the second time he's done it. Are, are you guys concerned at all? Mate, didn't break the hand. He's just got some bruising to it. He's uh, he can now close it. So another one to two weeks, and he'll go back to the specialist to see if it's broken. Uh, just some ligament damage, and uh, time will tell. You know, that long it takes to heal. One of the problems has been Justice and his dad decided to move away from what they call foam gloves into a composite horsehair and foam glove where it doesn't offer as much protection for the handle for the knuckle, but uh, they're called a puncher's glove and they allow you 
punch harder because your knuckles more exposed and made it hurts a lot more. But of course, what's happening is you've got these uh, justice hasn't got the biggest hands in the world, and they're connecting on people's faces and it's bone, whether it be a forehead or whether it be a cheek, and his hands have been taking some punishment. So I think it's going to move back to the uh, to the phone gloves one hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, hopefully we uh, see Justice get that uh, title shot soon, mate, and he, and he can stay healthy. Uh, another guy that we like to keep an eye on, mate, is uh, our very own Joe Parker, someone you've had a lot to do with. He's back in the UK at the moment. The talk is he's going to have another fight early next year in 2023. Um, I'm not sure who that's going to be against. Dillian White, I guess, kind of makes sense for both guys. What do you reckon? Well, a Dylan White fight would be amazing for Joe because I think Dylan's past his best. And I think Joe would beat him and beat him quite comfortably. And I think I, I get asked a lot about Joe Parker and people say, oh, he's done this, he's, you know, he's, he's finished. And I'm going, no, he's not. Joe's got a huge career in front of him. He's probably making in excess of a million dollars a fight. And he's only one, maybe two fights away from getting right back into world title contention. You know, like a Dylan White, a win against a Dylan White in a fight like that, mate, he's right back in the game. So uh, expect some great things out of Joe Parker over the next bloody you know, next one to two fights, and that's all he needs to win to get back where he was. So, uh, you know, don't write Joe Parker off yet. There's plenty more to come in that story. Yeah, well, I mean, he's only he's thirty and three, right? And it's it's long gone are the days where you had to have a clean record or only one loss before you could get a title fight because that heavyweight division is just so competitive now. Everyone's beating everyone else. Well, exactly, with the exception of Tyson Fury and Alexander Ursik, and where the uh, you know you can probably thank the UFC for uh, not you know for throwing guys into big fights and guys take losses where they still get title shots. And it's not the end of your career if you take a loss. And then you don't have to go through your career unbeaten, you know, to get to the top and make good money. And Joe's certainly still at the top making good money. And, uh, you know, whether or not he gets a title shot again, well, it's going to come down to who he fights and how well he fights. But I can promise you this, he's making serious money along the way. And at the end of the day, you know, the goal for Joe Parker when we signed him was two things. One, he comes out wealthy, but secondly, he comes out healthy. And I think you're going to find that, Joe, that that's the case with Joe Parker. He's going to have, you know, he's had a very successful career to date. He's going to continue to have a successful career. And when he retires, mate, he's going to be very, very well off and in a perfect world, still very healthy. Yeah, which would be great. Uh, I mean, a man who he, who lives off his jab. I, I remember when we uh, uh, went up to Bethlehem, PA, um, for his first pro fight in the US and, and got to meet Larry Holmes. He's another man who, who lived off the jab and has done very well and stayed healthy and wealthy. Mate, that's, uh, you've got a great memory, Ricardo. That was a great trip. Where did we go? It was Pennsylvania, wasn't it? And uh, we went to, where was it? We went to the Rocky Steps. We did all sorts of cool stuff on that trip. Mate, it was fantastic. And then up to, yeah, Bethlehem, uh, the Sands Casino, wasn't it? And uh, we took the butcher up there as well. It was a, it was a great trip. And that's where we had, we also, uh, that was where the Ironworks was, wasn't it? The yep. Iron Factory. Yeah, that's the one. Mate, they, they, they did great, th- I know this is slightly off topic, they did great things with that facility because it was an old, it's, they built a lot of the World War II US ships there and then floated them back down the river. Uh, and a lot of that obviously wasn't being used anymore, but they turned it into a gig venue and they just had these big events and there were just gigs on every night while we were there. That was superb. Yeah, of course, a man who likes a gig like yourself because you do have a rock background. Uh, it was a perfect place for you to be. I forgot you're on that trip, but it was a beauty. It was, mate. It was. It was good times, Dino. It was good times. Hey, we should finish by talking Tyson Fury. You've mentioned him. He fights Derek Chisora this weekend. Um, this feels like a, a, a bit of a laydown for for Tyson. I mean, Derek. You talk about Dillian White being past his best. I think uh, Derek's well past his best, isn't he? And this is just a make some bank for for Tyson. This fight. Oh, it's a combination of make some money for Tyson and make some money for Derek Chisora. I think they're great mates. 
And I think Tyson Fury's gone, I want to put, want to send my mate out with some serious coin in his back pocket. Of course, this was supposed to be the fight where Tyson Fury took on Anthony Joshua. And they uh, the deal was made at 60-40, which was a split on net profit uh, for a fight like that, of which there'd probably be 30 to 40 million quid net profit, I would have thought. And uh, Joshua's team couldn't uh, couldn't make the deal based on commercial consideration around sponsorship and the like. It's an absolute joke because Fury definitely wanted that fight. And I think Joshua's people, after taking two losses against Ursic, didn't want to take a third loss, even though Joshua might have been keen for the fight. I don't think any hearn was. So it's a real shame that's not happening. So instead, you've got Derek Chisora versus Tyson Fury. But the power of Tyson Fury in terms of draw at the box office, apparently they sold... 60,000 tickets uh, to this event at Tottenham Stadium and mate, um, it should be a massive night well, of course we'll get to see it here I think on Sky Sport uh, in the morning on Sunday so I'm really looking forward to seeing that but I would expect that Tyson Fury will be beating Derek Chisora. They've made some sort of pact in the media that they're going to go to centre ring and just start throwing down and if that happens that'll be nothing short of magnificent yes it'll be a short night but geez it'll be entertaining if it happens. Yeah it'll be great mate I look forward to that. Uh, in, t- in terms of AJ then I mean this is a case of uh, what Eddie Hearn taking away he needs to get what another two three wins under his belt before they take the Tyson Fury fight to, to make the bank that they want out of it is that what you're thinking? Now what will happen is this is that uh, the IBF has ordered that Herkovic, uh, who Philip Herkovic, who's with a company called Wasserman, who we've had quite a bit to do with, and, and Matchroom, he's the number one mandatory to Ursic. So the IBF has ordered that Ursic has to fight Herkovic next to maintain his IBF belt. What you'll see happen is Ursic will throw that belt in and say, thank you very much, but I don't want this anymore. He'll turn around and fight Tyson Fury without that belt. And they'll make probably $50 million each out of that. But what you'll see is the next available contender will be lined up to fight Philip Herkovic. And guess who the next available contender is? Anthony Joshua. There you go. There we go. So Anthony Joshua will be, way back in, will be back in the picture because he beats Herkovic easily. Mate, he'll be the IBF champion again. And all of a sudden, you've got three people in the division who have got a claim to the belt. And that'll just make things a lot more juicy and a lot more interesting. So... And the reason why Joshua would do that too is when you're a world champion, you bring a lot more negotiating power to the table. So, uh, mate, all uh, all power to them. Eddie's played the game pretty well. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens over the next three to four months. But I'm pretty sure that the deal between Ursic and Fury will go ahead and you'll see that fight take place in the Middle East. Yeah, good stuff, Dino. Hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for giving us some time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Go well. Have a great weekend. Too easy, my man. Talk soon. Yeah, we'll do. Dean Lonigan there with us, talking fight sports, talking the box. And coming up shortly, we have the panel. Lavina Good and Sarah Cowley-Ross join us. We're going to talk the Breakers winning, the Black Sox losing, the new Warriors jersey, the FIFA World Cup, and Sir Murray Helberg. Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, welcome into the panel. Joining us today, uh, Lavina Good. How are you, Lavina? Morena, mate. Nice to speak to you. I'm good guns. Nice to chat. Yeah, good stuff. And Sarah Cowley-Ross joins us as well. How are you doing, Sarah? 
I'm great, thanks. Talo Falava, great to, to great to be on the panel today. Yeah, great to have you, man. Thanks for thanks for doing this. I, I want to start with you, Sarah, because of course you are a former New Zealand Olympian, so it feels right to start with you and the legacy of Sir Murray Helberg, who passed away yesterday at the age of 89. What I mean, what did he mean to you as a New Zealand Olympian? Well. I think Sir Murray, his athletic achievements are phenomenal in their own right. You know, the gold at Rome, the golden part of that amazing golden hour. But for me, actually, one that's probably not talked about as so much is actually he was the first New Zealander to break the four-minute mile. Mm. So he was a, a trailblazer for so many uh, athletes, uh, not just track and field as well. And I think that, you know, he, he did all those things with a paralysed arm. Um, and so the function of his, well, the function of his upper limb, and but I think his achievements on the track, well, it's his achievements off the track, which really transcends uh, transcends sport, and the thousands and thousands of kids that have benefited from the Halberg Foundation and have been given an opportunity to do sport. So for me, as an Olympian, I'm just um, in awe of his achievements on the track, off the track, and just um, thoughts go out to the Halberg family and um, those really affected by Samari's uh, death. Yeah, well, I talked to Joseph Romanos earlier today, Lavina, on the show. You know, and we talked about. Uh, he said he was quite a stoic guy. He wasn't a guy that really put himself out there, but he was a guy that was excited by the underdog to help people. That that was really his passion, and um, I think that comes across because you know he, as an athlete, did so much. He achieved so much, you know, the gold medal at, in Rome and over the 5,000 metres, but so many other things, Empire Games medals, as it used to be called as well. Uh, but what we really remember him for is what he gave back to New Zealand. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sarah made a really good point. Obviously, being an Olympian, he's had a, a massive impact on her life. Um, and I think there's so many kids out there that you don't have to get to that Olympic stage to benefit from from someone like Sir Murray Halberg. I mean, he won the five world records as well. We can't forget about that and the two gold medals at the Commonwealth Games. But just literally a legend in his own time and his legacy will be uh, remembered forever. And I think what he's done uh, for disabled children, both in society and in sport, will stand out for a very long time. I have a son that runs a lot and he has aspirations to, you know, do great things for New Zealand at one stage and, and we've always spoken really highly of Sir Murray Halberg. So a very sad day when he passed on Wednesday and, and I agree with Sarah. Let, let's send out some lovely messages to his family and, and let them know that his legacy will remain here in New Zealand for many decades to come. Sarah, I know that uh, Sir Murray was part of the, the Olympic delegation for a couple of games. He was he was part of the Chef the Missions crew to come out and just talk to young athletes at Olympics. Did you ever have a, an opportunity to meet him, to sit down and talk to him? I, I didn't have a meet, uh, an opportunity to sit down in, in one of those situations. I, I did have the opportunity to meet him at, at a function briefly. Um, and what I was really... I guess um, my immediate thoughts were a, hum a humble hero um, who achieved so much, but in his presence you felt that he was present. And I think that in itself is a real gift. Um, and I think that's a gift that he's given to so many, like Lavinia has um, alluded to. And, and, you know, not only sport, but disabled um, kids, you know, that aren't engaged in sport as well. And I think that, 
you know, we have been so lucky in New Zealand to have a man of his stature grace grace our presence yeah indeed and and Lavina I don't think it can be understated you know when you talk about him as an Olympian and then what he did for physically the physically disabled as well uh, what his impact must be uh, even today on our Paralympic team which has always been so successful yeah very successful and it took someone like um, Sir Murray Halberg to set that up in the first place and encourage the rest of New Zealand to support them in their on their journeys and what they're trying to achieve and yeah he was ahead of his time and he I, I had the pleasure of meeting him once and he's a very I wouldn't describe him as stoic but certainly a humari a very humble man that didn't want the accolades he didn't he didn't want us talking about him you know like we did Lydia and and other um, people that you know were trailblazers when it comes to promoting sport etc but he certainly felt for others and he realised he was very fortunate. I had a journo friend tell me yesterday that he nearly died in a, a rugby accident mm. at the age of 17 and, and was scarred for life from that and had to pick up a different sport. And, you know, just to think that, you know, that could have happened to him and, and he decided he would always give back and he never, ever, ever stopped giving back. And that's, that's why I think we will remember him for a long time because he gave back so much to others despite the fact that he won the gold medals at the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, he was a giver and he didn't want notoriety for it. A very humble man and very sad news that he passed. Yeah, very sad news indeed, the age of 89. Let's move on then. Let's talk uh, some better news. The New Zealand Breakers, uh, Lavina, are back on top. They are having a fantastic season after really three seasons in the doldrums under the uh, new ownership. Uh, the, the, that model obviously didn't work and initially, then it was interrupted by COVID and they had to deal with all of that. But they've really turned things around now. and They, they lead the Australian NBL by three games over the Sydney Kings. It's been a while, while between drinks for the breakers and I think at the start of the season lots of questions were being asked over uh, team culture and whether or not they would be able to be successful in the competition. They certainly love playing in Christchurch, I know that. They love beating Melbourne Phoenix and that's one of their, their favourite home courts. But it is evident now to me, Ricardo and Sarah, that they're in a good place in terms of team culture and that wasn't evident a couple of years ago where they remained in the doldrums. So, you know, we had the new owner come in which turned things up a little bit and uh, there were some changes and recruitments and and initially lots of people were questioning as to whether or not this would be the right thing, but they're talking with their performance on the court at the moment. The main thing for me with the breakers that I've noticed over the last three or four games is defensively they've been impeccable and I really do believe that was an aspect of their game that they didn't really have on point and that's why they weren't finished. They never have issued scoring points stopping the opposition from scoring them. But they've developed some defensive structures with some um, in-house coaching and with some guest coaches as well. And I really think it is paying off. And, and, you know, the fans keep on coming. Basketball is, you know, one of the fastest-growing secondary school sports here in New Zealand. You can put a lot of that down to Stephen Adams and what he's achieved overseas. But I really do believe that they need to ride that wave of success to continue getting our kids on that basketball court. And... I spoke to Stephen Adams once and he said a really interesting thing to me and he said, put them on the court and keep them out of court. So the more kids that we have playing basketball, keep them occupied doing that, the better it will be. And the more the breakers win, the more kids will want to play, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a nice nice way of putting it from Stephen Adams, Sarah. uh, You know, we we have seen that the breakers really seem to struggle under uh, Dan Shamir's, I guess, the the term that's been used around coaches uh, like him nowadays is our autocratic coaching style, Modi Mayor, but much more of a man manager and we're seeing the uh, the benefits of that. 
Yeah, I, I really like Modi Mayor and what he's got to say. And I, I particularly like to, he's alluded to Olivia, uh, Lavinia's uh, points around defence. And he's very, very tight on defence wins championships. And as you can see, um, they are going great guns. And what I see when I'm looking at the breakers is that they're enjoying it themselves. Now, winners are granted, um, but it seems like they've got a real shift in, in the culture. Um, they're enjoying being on court. They're in, and part of that, I think a huge part of that, is actually being able to play in front of their home fans and bring basketball back to New Zealand because... The last half of few years has just been a nightmare for team morale on the road, constantly away from families and not knowing when they'll be able to get back. And so I am ex- so excited about what the rest of the um, the lead-in now for the breakers looks like. I think that Motomayor has got something really good going. I'm excited to see um, the guard. Barry Brown have, had a great game last night, 31 points in uh if they can just hold that defense strategy. And I also the other point I like about him is he's never satisfied. Like he's he he's very complimentary, but he's like, We're not there yet. And I think that someone who's constantly striving for that not necessarily perfect game, but perfect performance, um, is someone that I would want to to play for. Yeah, always striving to be better, but uh, you very much seems to have the, them all pulling in the same direction, which is superb. It is uh, 10.30 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. This is the panel uh, with Ricardo Ball. We'll be back shortly to continue that on after the latest in news and sport with Araha Hathaway. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Twenty-five away from eleven here on SENZ mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball, in for Smithy. Uh, brought to you by Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And joining us on the panel, Sarah Kelly Ross and Lavina Good. And Lavina, uh, let's go to the NRL. The new Warriors jersey, the new uh, logo on the front. It looks like, uh, well, as I've heard it described on a few social media platforms, a portal to another dimension. What do you make of it? Yeah, I know. There's plenty of chat about the jersey. I don't even know if that's the actual jersey. I know it's been been leaked, and yeah, it's about this time of year that all the concern is raised about what the Warriors will be wearing next year. And for me, as a part-time Warriors fan, Ricardo, that is the least of my worries with the Warriors for 2023. Um, yeah, I think... I'm really Andrew Webster's going to be great as the new coach for the Warriors. I know he's he's spent that time with the attacking platform with the Panthers, and I like how he's come out and said, "I'm not in a in a place at the moment to introduce those same um, theories and techniques with the Warriors because they're just not the same team." And I went, "Whoa, buddy, that's why you're here. We want the Warriors to be the Panthers, so let's crack on with that." But I, I found that interesting that he said it's a different team, a different culture, and I'll approach it in a different way. But one thing that has also made me really interested about Andrew Webster is what he's going to do with Dylan Walker. And uh, I wanted to know whether or not he'd be starting in the centres, whether or not he'd be in the halves uh, with with Sean Johnson or what was going to happen. And it seems as though he's decided that Dylan Walker will don the number 14 on the back of whatever jersey they'll be wearing and will be that replacement player that can slot in in the centre and the halves or just about anywhere else you see him. So the the purchase for three years of Dylan Walker will see him start on the bench for that first game against the Newcastle Knights. I think that's really, really interesting. And that means he's showing his face into Mighty Martin to play in that halves role. I'm really glad the Warriors are playing the Knights first up and it's not too much of a crash-bang game for them. They'll be playing at home and hopefully get some points on the board early. 
But lots of questions will be answered of Andrew Webster as he embarks upon those first few weeks of rugby league with the Warriors next year. I'm really looking forward to the season, buddy. Mm, yeah, no, so am I. Uh, really looking forward to it from a Parramatta point of view, at least. Uh, now, Sarah, uh, if that uh, big uh, glowing globe on the front of the new Warriors jerseys is a portal to another dimension, we can only hope it's a dimension in which the Warriors can win a premiership. Um, so fingers crossed that that happens. But what have you made of what you've heard from Andrew Webster? I mean, because one thing that we have seen in the past is Australian coaches come here and struggle to deal with the culture. So it's encouraging to hear him talking like that. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I'm I'm impressed, like Lavinia said, you know, we do need change. Like, you know, you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting the same result, which we all want is a premiership. Um, first and foremost, let's get to the top eight and let's go through every round. Um, regardless, you know, maybe the portal could be the way. I don't know. Um, but actually, let's see the business on the field. Um, what I think in terms of Australian coaches coming here, um, I think that the support of Craig McFadden um, is going to be really crucial in knowing that cultural, that cultural difference and having those key senior players in the team to really foster that leadership group uh, to deliver on the field. And, you know, we keep the faith as Warriors fans. Um, but let's make it 2023 uh, their year. But let's get some wins on the board early. Yeah, well, indeed. And, and something that we haven't seen uh, uh, very often, Sarah, is the NRL make a make a decision that uh, actually makes sense. Um, but I think they've been quite sensible here. Laurie Daly's been blocked from joining Manly's coaching staff because he does a breakfast show on a station that is owned by the TAB over there. And uh, the NRL Integrity Unit believe that it might be, uh, you know... It's just it's just not a good look, I guess you would say. Um, what what are your t- what's your take on that? Oh, I think it's a sensible decision. Um, look, the, there's no strain like the NRL have had massive integrity issues, and let's just clean up where we can clean up. And um, being really open about the process, being open and direct about it, and having action, um, I think is good for the fans. Uh, in terms of Match fixing is a huge international problem um, across all sports. I operate mainly in the Olympic kind of world at the moment, um, and it's huge, and it will continue to be huge, and we need to ensure that integrity is at the forefront of um, creating as even level playing field as possible if that's such a thing in sport when you're talking about humans versus humans. So um, I think bravo for that um, that action that the radio station has taken. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Lavina, what, what have you made of the NRL's decision not to let Laurie Daly take uh, that position at Manly? Um, and is it at all influenced by uh, your uh, hatred of Manly being a Parramatta fan? I'm still gobsmacked that we can say NRL integrity in the same word. (laughs) It's going to be the same sentence. It's NRL integrity unit. I mean, they've been busy bees in the past. But, you know, there's lots of issues, I think, with the NRL in terms of integrity that they need to uh, take responsibility for and promote the game in a better place. They could start with Mad Monday and and stopping everyone getting absolutely shit-faced on a Mad Monday after they've played their final game of footy. Um, there's a few other areas they could do it as well, but obviously Laurie Daly will bear the brunt of that, and it was a brave decision to be made because, you know, with the NRL, Ricardo and Sarah, we all know, like many sports, money talks in sports, and it comes down to television broadcasts and who you can get to do what, 
And in the end, uh, this radio station commitment uh, has seen uh, Laurie Daly miss out on that position. And it might be a, a move forward in a positive place for the NRL, as they say. We try and clean up the game as most as, uh, as possible. But it will be interesting to see how things unfold throughout the year. And, and that NRL integrity unit, I'm sure, made up of a whole lot of ex-players that show a whole lot of integrity, will be busy for sure throughout 2023. Yeah, I think I think you're 100% right. I think there's a, there's, there's a lot more to come on that front. Hey, uh, Sarah, Lavina, thank you very much for your time on the panel today. Much appreciated. Good to chat to you both. Go well and have great weekends. Sweet as. Thanks so much. Kakiti. Here we go. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thank you very much. Lavina Good, Sarah Kelly Ross with us here on the panel. It is 18 away from 11 o'clock. This is SENZ. It is uh, Mornings with Ian Smith and Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. And it is time uh, for our Love Racing update. Louis Herman, what in studio? G'day, mate. How's things? Yes. Excellent. It's Friday. How'd you go at, at New Plymouth yesterday? Uh, well, I think I said the ones I said to you would win one. Mm, that's good. That's a good start. Um, race four was the one we wanted to watch and pin me up, flew home. Heavy track didn't suit. Ideal just didn't look like she loved the track. So we'll follow those. Pin me up will be winning a race really soon. Yeah, okay. She's going she's gonna to go good when she gets on a good track throughout the summer. Yeah, one to follow once uh, once the, the, the track's hard well, up a bit. And they will. And they we I just spoke to a trainer like just before setting up like literally like hot off the press setting up tomorrow morning's show and he said we've turned the corner mate he said we've turned the corner we've turned the corner let's go let's get this weather sorted and let's sort let's go so the fields this weekend are good uh group one captain cook stakes Aegon probably will be winning but a dollar 90 is probably too short for me to be finding out it's a funny race this tiptronic Pre to fur, both can win. Vernon Me, I guess, can win. Harlick doesn't win a lot. Zola Express, fourteen dollars and three twenty. I mean, I guess she's been going good. Bella Conte, Lankawi, Chase, Green Luck, Deerfield are wide in the market. It's a funny, funny race to have a bet in. Aegon at dollar ninety deserves to be the favourite, but well, would you take the price to find out? There's some really good racing down at Trentham actually. Race five's a nice open handicap sprint. And can I get an amen? Has paid us before at Trentham over this distance, where she came out of that really good form race with the nice horses on Trevier, Levante, Rock and Horse. They all went on to become subsequent Group One winners. And can I get an amen? Turned up back here a couple of weeks later at Trentham and won. Now, I think she can win again from Barrier 2. We'll find out with Guy Lowry on the mail run tomorrow. We've got him on the show. But Seamus is fresh up for Alan Sharrick and, and is a genuine danger at $2.30 as well. So we'll find out what Guy reckons about can I get an amen at Trentham. And um, then they're racing at Pukekohe as well. So it's it's all go, Rick. Yeah, it is all go. It is all go. The mail run tomorrow. Uh, have you got Mick Guerin? No, Mick Guerin. Oh, by the way, yeah, I've got some great news for you guys, unless I've already missed it. No. Michael Guerin won't be doing his cross onto your show today. Oh, won't he? So I was meant to pass that on this morning. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Louie. Well, you've done that. So you've got so you've got Greg O'Connor on instead. Okay, brilliant. So there you go. Yeah. So just... <laughs> all all the up-to-date news right here. <laughs> yeah, every, every bit of breaking news in production. Uh, now, Mick's over at the Interdoms in, um, in Melbourne, so he's off. I've got Emily Bosson on the show tomorrow. Oh, how good. Yeah. 
E-Boss. So Opie's been um, suspended for the last five weeks. So he's, he's still just got been one, driving her up the wall. One week of suspension. <laughs> so he, he's gone babysitting duty tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> Opie. His own children. It's um, not babysitting when they're your own. It's called parenting. That's, so I've heard Izzy Dad calls it babysitting, which is where I steal that <laughs> phrase from. So Emily's in. Oh, I love Emily. She's such a wonderful way of reading the racing game. And... I'll ask her what's been going on on the farm, but also if she can tip us some winners. Male, male, male woman Emily, because yeah. usually male woman Mick. Yeah, but right. tomorrow it's male woman M. M. All right, I look forward to that on the mail. And I was actually thinking, can I get an amen? It was just like every time you said, well, the first time you said that, I almost went amen. And I think you should get that. So every time you can talk I about get that an horse, amen? Yeah, just amen. Whoever you're working with should do that. You know, can I tip a winner out before I go? Yeah, sure. Babylon Berlin will be winning race six. The open sprint at Pukekohe, race right. six. Babylon Berlin. Babylon Berlin dropped the jockey last start, so had to, then ran to the line. So it got a good workout that day. It dropped the jockey, Jonathan Riddell, at the gates. Kelsey Hannon claims three. She can ride. Jumps, I think, just too good. Interested to see how Dragon Leap goes, but he'd need the track to come back to a really good to be threatening Babylon Berlin on that field, I reckon. Yeah, okay, there you go. That is uh, the latest from Love Racing. Louis, go well, mate. Have a great weekend. Look forward to you uh, hearing yes. you on the mail run. And Greg, not Mick, remember? Greg, yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, loveracing.nz for all your thoroughbred new, uh, racing news, previews, replays, profiles, and more. And don't forget, too, you can book at thegrandtour.nz. Eat, drink, and get racing. Round up the crew. It's four away from 11 o'clock and uh, you can bet live on your favourite sports just by downloading the TAB app today. And joining us from the TAB is Pip Morris. How are you doing, Pip? I'm good, Ricardo. How are you this morning? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Still loving the Football World Cup. As unpredictable as ever. I mean, how is this? Japan have beaten Spain and Germany and somehow lost to Costa Rica. I don't know how you work that out, but it kind of says everything about this World Cup so far. It certainly does. And just on that too, we've refunded all Germany outright win bets with Japan doing that, with them being knocked out of the tournament. So with that nice bonus back that we've got at the TAB. Yeah, that's all good, mate. That's all good. There's a, there's a few good games coming up uh, tomorrow uh, to get stuck into. I, I, I don't mind the look of Serbia at 260 head-to-head against Switzerland. Uh, uh, what are the big specials for you and what are you looking at? of uh, popular power plays just on those games there's no real takers at the moment but you can build some really nice same game multis around that Switzerland Serbia game I know you're asking about red cards you Mm. can build one there ascending off in the game and then maybe Serbia to come from behind or that's around $34 I just put one together there so that's a nice little power play you can check out and also a couple of boosted options most popular across all games Brazil win by two goals and win to nil at 3.50. And Switzerland win or draw and under at one and a half goals at $6 has been really popular as well, Ricardo. And Brazil's still the most popular in the outright win market. Yeah, not really a surprise, uh, especially with some of the uh, teams that we've seen going out of the tournament so far. Uh, what else is big this weekend for you? Uh, we've got Group 1 Racing at Trenton with the Captain Cook Stakes. Aegon's back from Australia. He's shopping at 1.9. He's still the best back in that race. 
also by Zola Express at longer odds in behind her. And then the Wakefield as well, really nice two-year-old race. And Penderbell's the best back, followed by Bella Regaza and Believe in Magic. And they're all nominated except for Bella Regaza for the Karaka two-year-old million-dollar market if you want to get involved in that before the race gets underway. And then at Pukakoi Park as well, we do have the Group 3 Bone Crusher Stakes. And the best back there is Magawa. Around that, we've got the bonus back Blitz as well this weekend across the four main meetings two here in New Zealand, Trentham and Pukekohe, and then the two main meetings across the Tasman. So plenty to get stuck into, Ricardo. Yeah, heaps to get stuck into. Is there anything that you'd uh, you'd like to steer us into at all? Anything you'd like to look off this weekend? I honestly just think take Aegon for the win at 1.9, put him through multi, play some first balls in behind him. It just that foreman behind Alligator Blood in Australia just looks super for him to take out that race. And today at Palmerston North, we've got a feature meeting, a par with superstar, the New Zealand Cup winner, back up against Mustang Charlie and Federal Infrared. I really like him to take out that race, Ricardo. He's 2.7 now. Power plays available on the whole meeting and a nice 700 metre race where we see no keeper go to war again with Thrilling Rogue. So, I'm looking forward to that meeting tonight. Ah, good stuff, Pip. Go well, mate. Have a great weekend, eh? You too. Enjoy the footy. Will do, mate. Will do. You can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18, couple of texts that have come through. Mark from yesterday, who won stumped. Uh, he said, my swing for the fence was more a throw at the stumps than it missed. Yes, uh, at the first at the first uh, hurdle, should we say. And uh, yeah, my blue samurai, how awesome. I put my last $6 on them to beat Germany and then put my last 8 on them at 8.50 this morning. Let's go. Spent 20 25 years in Japan. Wish I was there for this from Zane. Congratulations, Zane. Well done. And yeah, Japan topping their group. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Past 11 on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. If you text through on the Temper uh, Bedpost text machine, Temper and Bedpost, range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. This one from Craig, who's doubling down on something he said yesterday. He said, my text yesterday, Ricardo, have you learnt nothing? The World Cup is so unpredictable. Spain-Japan game could be a draw, but Spain are favourites and just as likely a Japan to win after all the results we've seen. How on earth do you pick anything at this World Cup? Well, that's a, a timely text, Craig. Thank you for your text because... Uh, we have with us on the show uh, right now Albert Riera, the uh, coach of Auckland City, but also a proud Spaniard as well. Albert, did you? What, what was your reaction to the final whistle of, and, and Japan too? Spain won this morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, morning of football, to be honest. Uh, well, it's a, it's a beauty of the game that every minute that goes by, you know, it changes the whole level. So uh, you have to 
be watching the game right after, you know, the uh, the, the the finish of the game, and obviously the other game as well going on in the same time. So it's been very interesting and very exciting, to be honest. Yeah, as well, it's been fantastic, mate, and and, and probably uh, the way that this has uh, gone, it, it'll keep the peace at Auckland City for a little while yet, because you wouldn't want a, a round of sixteen game between Croatia and Spain. I'd imagine that might divide the club a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I know a lot of people at the club are watching, you know, and following Croatia, obviously, and. Uh, Probably my second team, I would say, you know, in the in the World Cup. So, uh, look, we're all pretty excited, very happy, and uh, just waiting for the next round. Yeah, indeed, mate, indeed. Um, the Japanese, they, they, I mean, they have long imported a lot of uh, footballing know-how, if you like, intellectual property from Spain, and we kind of saw that a bit today because Spain didn't uh, have the same dominance of possession that they had had even against the Germans. Yeah, well, we we know that Japan, uh, you know, it's a, a, a slipping giant that has been awakening for the last few years. You know, they have fantastic players and now going going to Europe, really to the top leagues, and they really adjusting well. Probably was a problem before, you know, many years ago, but now I think they they kind of adapting to the European lifestyle and uh, they have the quality. They they super fast, they very fit, and they work ethic is is a second to none. You know, that's why it's just. It was a matter of time before, you know, Japan was showing the, the quality that they have, and they've been doing that for the the, the recent years. So uh, it's not really a surprise to me that they had a very good game against Spain. Yeah, no, they, it was a very good game and a good result for them, and a, a result that's put the Germans out. Uh, have you been surprised how little Germany have offered this World Cup, and, and how much do you put it down to them not having a, a sort of, I guess, a top-end number nine? Yeah, look, uh, you know, it's not the it's the second time in a row that they don't make it through the group stage. So it makes you wonder what's really happening in there because they they could have made that mistake in the last World Cup, and again, you know, they're falling short again. So uh, it's hard to pin down the reasons why. But um, you know, I I believe you're looking at the results throughout the World Cup, and you see that a lot of you know funny results, if you like, and expected ones. And uh, I think it's the beauty of football, and especially the World Cup when. You know, one of game. You know, anything is possible. And nowadays, every team has the technology to observe the other teams, and everyone is is very competitive. So you have to be at your best, you know, to get the three points. And uh, look, Germany is one of the those teams that have been, you know, victim of not getting the results they they expected. You know, and uh, they always have a lot of pressure on them. And very surprising that it happened to them again for the second time in a row. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Might be the pressure. Not. Not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's a, I think there's a bit to fix there at the uh, at the national team level for the Germans and for the Belgians as well. Uh, you know, there was a lot of people talking about how old Belgium were, and sure, Jan Vertonghen and Axel Witzel uh, and uh, Toby Alderweireld were, were sort of 35, 33, that sort of age. But I mean, De Bruyne 31, Hazard 31, Lukaku 29. I mean, they're big attacking players. I wouldn't have said are too old. What do you think's gone wrong for Roberto Martinez with Belgium this World Cup? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say to all either. I mean, uh, as you know, if one result goes your way, you know everyone is going to talk a lot of good things about the way you're playing and uh, such a good squad that you have. And then you you have a couple of bad results that you can't really afford to have in the World Cup. And then everyone is on your back. So I think nowadays, uh, when you're on your thirties, thirty-one, you're really on your peak as a player. So uh, look, it's, it's a one. I think they, they, they didn't manage to score the goals that I think they had in the locker as a Belgian team, you know, with the quality players that they have. And at the end of the day, you, you need to score goals, you know, otherwise you're really going to pay the price for it. So, uh, look, uh, I feel very bad for Roberto Martinez. He's from my home uh, hometown. So, um, 
look, a bit sad in that regard. But look, it, it is what it is. And uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's like, as I said before, you know, you know, I'm very surprised with a lot of teams that we didn't really expect them to play at that level. And and they really, you know, they, they're a positive surprise. So, um, and again, Belgium has been one of the victims of it. You've got to feel a little bit for Morocco, don't you? They win their group and you think, great, we've won our group, we'll get an easier draw and then end up with Spain in the next round. Yes, yeah, that's right. But again, uh, I'm sure Spain will know that it's not going to be an easy task. You know, it's another game and uh, a knockout game and, you know, a lot of pressure in it. And that's uh, an element to take into account as well. And uh, when you're the underdogs, you always have, you know, less to lose than to win. So you can always play with that part, you know, when you're playing the game. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, mate, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I, I know we've still got a couple of uh, games to get through before we know all of the round of 16. But from what you've seen at this World Cup so far, I know it's a, it's a tough question to ask, but who do you like? Look, I, I like the way Spain plays, uh, but uh, I'm not too sure how they're going to respond, you know, against the deep blocks that like they encountered today uh, against Japan. The team that I really like is, uh, I believe, they they kind of dominate every area of the game and every facet of the of the of the game is Brazil. I think uh, many will will agree that they have a fantastic squad, you know, in every line, uh, defending and and attacking, obviously, you know, and they they I think they're very well balanced. With experienced players and a very young players, they have a lot of energy and they can adapt to any any sort of formation they have in front of them. And I think that's going to be key for the World Cup. So to me, Brazil is uh, probably the, the favourite to win the World Cup. So I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, mate, I, I, I 100% agree with you. They just look, for the first time since probably 2006, they, they look like they have a well-balanced squad. And it feels like Neymar's matured a bit and it's not just all about him anymore. He's kind of more of a team player. Yeah, that's right. It's what you need. I mean, otherwise, if you just rely on one player, it's quite easy to mark, you know. Because, uh, but if you have many, then uh, it's it's impossible to just stop them, you know. And uh, they they play more as a team that relying on individuals. And I think that's key. That's key to to win a big tournament. Because at the end of the day, you're always going to have one or two players that not having the best game. So you always need to have uh, you know the vast majority of the players you know performing at the level that is required to win the World Cup. And I think Brazil is showing that now. Uh, as you said, they're very mature. They know what they're doing. The link-up play is very good. And def- defending, they're very, very um, well-organized, which is what you need as well. So I think they look very complete. And uh, again, to me, a clear favorite to win it this year. This year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, Albert, we've also got a big game here in New Zealand on uh, on Sunday afternoon at Mount Smart Stadium. Uh, your team, Auckland City, take on Wellington Olympic for the uh, the National League Grand Final. Uh, the title there overall. Uh, you, you guys finished tied on points. You just pipped them on uh, on goal difference, I believe. Or you, know, um, you only conceded nine, scored twenty. Um, how do you how do you see this final shaping up? And where have Olympic come from? Because it's always been Miramar out of Wellington. For the last few years, yeah. Look, Wellington Olympic, they 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 put together a very good team uh, with uh, with what I I know for you know from first first hand that these players that they have they 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 very good uh, and then the other young ones they they very exciting as well. So we've been following them throughout the season and uh, you know they they played very good football. And they're very incisive, very aggressive. They have a lot of mobility. And uh, we know it's going to be a, a very hard game. But uh, on the other hand, we have huge confidence, you know, with what we've been achieving, you know, over the last few months with this team, with this club. And we all excited Auckland City, you know, to play this final against the 
went on Olympic, where we think it's going to be a 50-50 as any other final. I don't think there's any favorite or underdogs. I really you know, believe that it's going to be a 50-50 game. So uh, the team that will try and manage to impose their, their style probably is going, to, is going to be the one that's going to have more chances to win it. But again, it, everything comes down to small details little mistakes and a high price to pay, you know, with this mistake. So we'll see. We, we're very excited. We've been really preparing very well during the week. So um, very positive and, and uh, motivated as well. Where do you think uh, you can hurt them? I mean, they do have, you know, Scott Basley in goal, uh, they, who, who's been around. They've, they've got uh, Gully is there as well in defence. So they're an experienced team. Where do you think they're susceptible? Yeah, look, uh, they they um, is a team that really exploit um, um, when they 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 kind of attack into big spaces. I believe that the vast majority of the goals they're scoring is in in open transition, in uh, counter attack, or regaining the ball high up the pitch, even deep. So they they love at, uh, fast attacking transition. So on the other hand, for us, the best way to defend is to keep the ball. Is the way we try to do. Is the way we're doing it. We try to have the ball more than the other team. So. For us, it's the best way to defend, so we're not getting exposed. But again, doing that against Olympic for 90 minutes at least is not an easy task. But it's what we're going to try to do because it's the best way to you know, stop them from hurting us. But again, we know that if now and again we have to defend, we have to be together and um, you know, enjoying as well you know, the attacking us, defending side of the game. So uh, I believe the key element for it is just to impose our, ourselves and, and to the pitch and dictate the tempo of the game rather than having long transitions, which we don't like really. So that's what we're going to try to do and uh, hopefully it goes our way. Mm. Uh, what about Emiliano Tade? I mean, he's been a teammate of yours before you were the coach of the team. He's, he's, he seems like he's been running around in an Auckland City shirt for a long, long time. Um, you know, how important is it for him, this this championship? Uh, he's been playing most of the season off the bench. How much longer do you think uh, we'll see Tade in an Auckland City shirt? Well, today is uh, he's just 34 years old, and um, you know, having someone like him of his pedigree and his quality in our squad is is a uh, is a fantastic thing. And uh, you know, all the young lads look up to him, and he's a great professional as well. And again, every time he's on the pitch, you know, whether he's playing 20 minutes, 40 or 90 minutes, he always scores goals. And uh, you know, that's the luxury that we have at Auckland City. And uh, I've seen him very motivated this last week. Very, very motivated. Is this one of you know, he's one of those players that in the big games, he always steps up. Is that what you want? Is what you need? And uh, I'm sure it's not going to be different this grand final for him out there. So I'm um, very excited to see him the way he's training and looking forward to see him on the pitch. How tough has this season been for you? Um, 43 games this will be this Sunday. That's a, that's a heck of a lot of games in, in one season, and in, uh, particularly in New Zealand when you're, you know, you're dealing with an amateur competition. Yeah, it hasn't been hasn't been easy. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, um, but it has been an extraordinary journey. It's been, uh, you know, very exciting. At the end of the day, if you win games, it makes everything easier, and then the energy around the camp it's it's very positive. So, we've had an extraordinary group of players that have been unquenchable. You know, the the first four winning has been unquenchable. You know, and uh, I always say that to them that they have to be very proud of what they're achieving, and probably now. They won't realize what they they're doing and what they have done so far. But when once we stop, you know, and the time goes by, they look back and they recall what they have achieved. Because that's immense. It's very hard to repeat again. Having won, you know, like three titles so far. You know, the the Melbourne League, the OFC, and the 
and the um, Challenge Cup, it's been a massive achievement. And uh, the amount of games that we had, midweek games, uh, it's been unbelievable. Just the players and the people in the club, you know, know what it's like. But again, they want to keep going, you know, and that's extraordinary. That's the mentality that we have and that these players have. And, and I have to be very proud of what we got and these players, yeah. Yeah. Very hard. And, and and what's the plan for the Club World Cup? Because you, you, you won the OFC Champions League, so that gives you a place there. What's what's the plan between now and then? Yeah, to be honest, at this uh, moment, we don't really know anything. We ha- we heard some rumours, but nothing has been confirmed. So we we can't really plan in advance at this point. It's one of those that, um, you know, it might come next week or in two weeks' time before we know the dates, exactly dates and and the place is going to be played at. And um, at the moment, we don't know. We don't know. So that's why we just focus on the grand final. And as soon as we find out, we're going to let the players know and we're going to put a, uh, a schedule, you know, because uh, it depends. They're talking about February, uh, late February or even later. So we don't really know. It's something that we which is um, waiting on what they say and... Uh, then we're going to act accordingly. But at this moment, we don't really know anything. Yeah, all right. Uh, Albert, thanks very much for giving us so much time today, mate. Good to talk football with you. Uh, Best of luck uh, this weekend on Sunday at uh, Mount Smart Stadium uh, in that final against uh, Wellington Olympic. Uh, And I'll be be there, mate, so I'll see you there. Uh, I hope it goes well for you and you can add a fourth title to uh, this season's haul. Fantastic. Thank you for your time. Uh, see you soon. Yeah, will do. Uh, Albert Riera, the head coach of Auckland City FC. That final is this weekend. Auckland City uh, against Wellington Olympic. It is taking place at uh, Mount Smart Stadium uh, this weekend. So looking forward to uh, getting out and uh, seeing that game and uh, two of the top club teams in New Zealand battling it out for the national title. Uh, Wellington Olympic, of course, coming up from the capital and uh, that kickoff is uh, around 2 o'clock um, and I think the gates are open at Mount Smart from around midday as well. So it'd uh, be good to see you there. It is uh, 20 past 11 here on SENZ. When we come back, we are talking Greyhound racing with Jake Paul. It's uh, 24 past 11 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Ricardo Ball in for him. And joining us now to talk Greyhounds is Jake Bell, track curator at the Manawatu Raceway. G'day. How you doing, Jake? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. How's uh, things in uh, Palmy? Well, beautiful today. We've finally got rid of some wind, hopefully for for a while been sticking around a bit so that's good news mate that's what we want to hear uh get get rid of the wind and how's the uh how's the track looking and in, in, in terms of being a curator for a track given that it's like an all-weather track or an artificial track uh what does that actually involve uh pretty it's full-time mate like there's there's me and Stephen gillies that does part-time but we're seven days a week water grooming Turning it over, getting it all right, mate. Like it, yeah. It's not, it's not as simple as, as some people may think. Yeah, right. I mean, because from what I understand as well, you guys have had uh, more races than you would normally have over the last year or so with Wanganui being out of action, right? And they're, with the, with the, them building uh, or making adjustments to that track. Yeah, well, I, we were, I took when I took over. It was um, just a year ago, just a bit. In the next week, I've been doing it a year, so. Mm. 
it was already in action like it is now, but we used to have not many dogs trial on a Monday and we'd have one race meeting during the week. So, But now we've got two race meetings and we're probably trialling a 100 plus more dogs every Monday, you know, so yes, he's pretty busy. Yeah, mate, yeah, that that is, that's that's usually busy. Um, in terms of how you manage that, I guess, you know, with days as well, your uh, your partner, she's got, uh, she's a trainer, you've been a trainer as well. Uh, there's a lot of juggling going on there. Yeah, yeah, well, I sort of stepped back from training the dogs as much, uh, probably about two, two and a half years ago. I went, went back out driving um, machinery on the roads and all that, contracting for Higgins, so I sort of stepped back and days carried it on and mum, so all, even now the success that any of the dogs done when they, they say they're in days' name, days does um, majority of the work, mate, she work, works full time and does dogs and we've got a daughter and I'm full noise here and trying to do dogs and mum works race day and helps out as well, so she's a family affair. Yeah, well and truly a family affair, mate. How, how many dogs have you got? have you got back at the house? Uh, we've got 11 at the, at the house at the moment, mate, like, yeah, just ticking along. We've got a litter of pups that are they're taking a bit longer than, they're getting there slowly, mate, but there's no rush, you know. No rush, no rush at all, mate. No, well, that, well that's good. Uh, you've got a big uh, meet tonight, don't you, at Palmy? I know that we've been tipped out, actually. I'll see what you think of this tip. This is what we've been tipped out in uh, Race 9, the Great Mates Rehoming Program feature final, Opawa Superstar, which I think started at 360, but it's already into 270. Oh, mate, the, to be fair, didn't think he was going to win the cup the other week and he just came straight through the middle and put them to bed. So he's definitely, definitely the winning chance there. Yeah, yeah. I, somebody in the office said to me, if it's not Opawa, it's not a greyhound. Yeah, mate, he's, he's a, his name's bang on that dog. He's a superstar, all right? Yeah, yeah, they go they go pretty well, mate. They go pretty well. Is there anything else that you're, you're excited about for tonight at Palmy? To, to be fair, mate, I... Haven't actually looked at the fields. Like it's a premier meeting, but the tracks prepared exactly the same as on a Wednesday with the low graders. You know, like it's there might be better dogs and everything going around, but we've still got to carry on and have it, keep it up to the same standard on the every day of the week. So I haven't even had a chance to look at the fields to, that much, to be fair. Okay, what about the distances? I mean, at, you know, obviously you have got the camber of the track and you have got all the different starting boxes, but uh, do you have multiple, div- you know, sort of different races going at different distances uh, throughout the meet? Yeah, well, it makes it a bit more awkward today because we've got um, back on boxes and there's uh, for a 600 at 660 and the 720 and we've got one ramp that goes so they can back off the trotting track onto the track. So when they start, we've got to quickly get them off the track. But we're in race races one and three today and we've got to get them off, get the ramp moved, plus have the track room. So we've just got to wait, we're gonna make sure we've got enough staff on board to make sure it runs smoothly. Oh, mate, sounds like you got your hands full tonight. Oh yeah, mate. And the weather, and because it starts so late, mate, you got to keep the water in the track all day. You know, like it's yes, yeah, start at seven. O'clock, I start at seven o'clock every morning, mate, and makes the day long. I bet it does, mate. And too, well, we've had quite a bit of rain recently. I mean, uh, what difference does that make for you in terms of you know you've mentioned watering the track a lot, but I mean, given how much rain we've had, how much water's too much? Uh, to be fair, the more water, the better. Like this track handles the water unbelievable if it's set up right like the more water it just the better it is you know so um you have the race right the dust the the drizzly rains makes it a bit messy because it sits on the top and turns the top only the top couple of mil a little bit and it makes it doesn't look as good but there's nothing wrong with it but the heavy rain makes packs it down and it goes and it's real good you know but like we we got 
a lot of rain all over the weekend, but I'm still we're still putting truckloads of water on to keep it wet, you know. Yeah. So uh, does it get skiddy at all? No. 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 She's beautiful. Now I could this sand here, just straight sand off the sand dunes. Right. Nice. Not mixed of anything out, mate. She's all natural. She's just straight sand dunes. You know, and it's, to be fair, I didn't actually know anything about I. From a trainer's point of view, every trainer thinks they know what they're talking about when they're, when they're talking about tracks, you know, and I was one of those. And then I went out on the road and learned quite a bit more, and then I always worked, um, the dog, used to work the dogs up the beach, and it's the same sand. So now we, we run it, basically comes up like you, when the tide's come in and gone straight back out behind it, and it comes up that nice, nice, firm and nice sand, so that, and that's exactly how we make this track. Yeah, awesome, Jake. Awesome, mate. Well, listen, hey, keep up the good work, mate. I hope you have a good meeting tonight uh, in Palmy. Uh, go well, and we'll catch up with you again soon, eh? Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Uh, Jake Bell there with us uh, talking uh, the dogs. Of course, he is the curator of uh, the Manawatu, Manawatu racetrack, and there is a big meet there starting around 3 o'clock this afternoon uh, in Palmy. You can tune into SENZ every Sunday from midday for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by two legendary Greyhound a- experts in Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. Don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. We've got the latest news in sport on the way. After that, though, it is your opportunity at Stumped, we have a $50 TAB bonus bet to give away if you can get through three questions. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it is time for Stumped by Ricardo on SENZ while Smithy's away. Um, so up for grabs uh, today is a $50 TAB bonus bet. And joining us at the crease now first up today, it's Hayden. Come in, mate. Hey, how you going? Yeah, not too bad. Good stuff, Hayden, mate. Uh, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? Uh, yeah, football, really. Mm. Uh, there's not much sports on this weekend, eh, really? Uh, all the NBA during the day, I guess. There's a lot of boxing, a lot of boxing this weekend. And then, of course, there's all oh, the World yeah, Cup yeah. football as well, yeah. I think there's yeah, the, the, UFC as well. Yeah, I was about to say UFC as well. So yeah, there's plenty on, mate. Plenty on. All right. Yeah, you're feeling fired up. Nah, I'm in bed with COVID actually. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. You're ready. All right, Robbie, take it away. Yeah, hope we hope we can get a fifty dollars bonus bit for you then. Uh, today's topics for you to choose from, Hayden. Three topics: softball, tennis, and the New Zealand Breakers. Um. New Zealand Breakers. All right, we are going New Zealand Breakers. Uh, Good luck to you, Hayden. Let's do it. Following yesterday's win, what is the Breakers' season record? Uh, Is it 11 and 3 or something? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. 11 and 3. Nice work. That's it. Question 2. Who do the Breakers take on next at Spark Arena tomorrow night? Um, uh, Illawarra? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I think Ricardo knows this too. Yeah, I hate to do this to you, Hayden. I kick a man while he's down, but it's the Perth Wildcats. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, yeah. right in the slot, and away it goes. Perth Wildcats it is indeed. 
Sorry about that, Hayden. Back to the pavilion for you. We got Mike up next. Coming, Mike. How you going, guys? Yeah, good, Mike. Uh, the Breakers were in your town last night playing, eh? Um, did you get along? Nah, I couldn't get along. I was, I was actually playing touch, so couldn't, couldn't make it. All right, question three. For the win, who is the current points leader for the Breakers this season? Barry Brown Jr. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, he's done it, Ricardo. There he it is. is. Nicely done, Mike. He's averaging 20.91 points per game this season. He's third on the uh, on the league, league, uh, league list at the moment, Barry Brown Jr. Mate, he's going real well. And I only know that because I interviewed Casey Frank earlier today, and I've still got my notes. Good import, isn't he? Mate, he's a great import. Um, uh, they, they, they call him uh, the man they call homicide, Anthony Williams, who's uh, part of the uh, NBL overtime show, uh, reckons that this group of imports that we've got is the best in uh, NBL history. Mind you, as Casey Frank said, he says that about three times a season, about three different teams. So I don't know how much stock we can put in it, but there you go. Uh, what are you looking at this weekend, mate? If you got a fifty dollar, uh, you got your fifty dollars from the TAB there, this bonus bet. Where are you thinking you're going to put it? Oh, I, was, I know you're quite good on the, the football, and I've gone no good on it lately. So I might take a couple of your tips, mate. All right, we'll get on Serbia at two sixty to beat uh, Switzerland tomorrow. Okay, cheers for that. No worries. Go well, mate. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Ricardo. Cheers. Uh, Mike there from Christchurch, uh, winning on Stumped. $50 bonus bet back for you on Monday. And uh, coming up shortly, we are going to be talking harness racing, but not with Michael Guerin. He's over in Aussie at the Interdom, so we're going to head back to Christchurch and catch up with Greg O'Connor. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is quarter to 12 here on SENZ. Uh, mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball with you. Uh, harness Racing, get amongst it at hrnz.co.nz. Joining us uh, to talk trots this morning is Greg O'Connor. G'day, mate. How are you? Hello, Ricardo. Gee, just about every day would seem like Christmas Day for you in the middle of a football World Cup, I would have thought. Mate, how good. And and these the results this morning were just mental. Mm, stunning, stunning and, and brilliant to watch and um, you know, I've heard a couple of your text uh, messages you've been reading out of people saying, how do you predict it? Well, how cool is that? You're not going to a, an event where you, you know what's probably likely going to happen because um, anything can happen. Yeah, well, exactly, mate. I mean, I did tip Japan to beat Germany at sevens earlier in the yeah, tournament, not. but that's about the only thing I've mm. got right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're not the lone ranger there, my friend. But anyway, it's, uh, it's a great comp and, and it's still anybody's. Yeah, it is indeed, mate. It is indeed. And, and you've, uh, you're doing the heavy lifting this weekend uh, with Mick at the Interdom. So uh, you you got to team up with Louis tomorrow on the mail run? Uh, look, I'm, I'm definitely doing Sunday. We've got Trot's Talk and it's without Mick. So as you know, Ricardo, you know full well that um, I'll get a word in for a change. Although he will come on for a segment and, and give us an update on the Interdoms. Just on that, uh, Bolt for Brilliance, our sole representative for Tony Hurler. He uh, has finished first and second in the first couple of heats and has drawn barrier two on on tomorrow night, Saturday night. So uh, he will be in the final. Uh, Tony's actually come home. He's got a couple of horses in the big day on Sunday where Clayto will be hosting out of Addington Raceway, where I am at the moment, uh, the entire afternoon. So, um, yeah, Tony's obviously qualified him and thought, right, I can leave him with Josh Dickey and I'll come over here and uh, drive his couple of his big charges uh, in what is known as the Grand Prix on Sunday. Yeah, big day on Sunday, mate. What are you expecting? 
Uh, look, I'm expecting eight cracking Group 1 races because, you know, this is the end-of-season championship, a little bit like the jewels uh, we've, we've had in the past. There's four two-year-old races, which are the equivalent of the jewels, but on top of that, you've got the uh, Oaks for the fillies, the three-year-old fillies, you've got the Derby for the three-year-old boys, you've got the Trotting Derby, and you've also got the New Zealand uh, Trotting Free-for-All, which used to be part of Cup Day. So, uh, you know, like that, that in itself is... Um, from a purist point of view, it just doesn't get any better than that. And on top of that, you've got a Group 3 race, which includes the New Zealand Free for a winner from three weeks ago and self-assured, taking on Spankham, his old rival, who's won a Miracle Mile, of course, and BD Joe's in there. So, yeah, look, it, it's an exceptional race day, mate. Um, it, 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 there's a lot of multis going to be playing through it, and I'm sure they're probably going through the Football World Cup as well, um, because there's a few short price favourites there. But if you can isolate two or three and... Uh, play a little bit of sport around it, you know how quickly it can multiply, Ricardo. Yeah, mate. Well, on that, do you want to give us a bit of a steer on a couple of potential anchors? Yeah, I really like a horse called High Energy. Uh, she's unbeaten in four from four. She's trained uh, by the All-Stars. She's come up with a beautiful barrier draw of, of seven, so that's race six, number seven. Very big chance. I'm not going to tip a cooter because I hear that uh, you're punting uh, for... What is it called? Punting for... Purpose. Purpose, yes. I was yep. just looking for the extra P word there. Uh, you guys have got a cooter, and I think he can win the derby. It's going to be a great battle between he and uh, Republican Party. Uh, so I won't tip into that race, but earlier on in race number five, Sherlock, number one, to $1.90. So $1.90 into $1.70. Quickly, Ricardo, you're getting to three twenty, three thirty, and then you start playing into a bit of sport as well. And, um, yep, bet responsibly. We want you to do that, but I reckon uh, if you take those two, they're my two locks for the day anyway. Yeah, nice. I quite like those, mate. Uh, i tell you what I'm not such a big fan of, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the new Warriors jersey with the massive headlight on the front. Have you seen that? Mm, not big. Not no, big on it. No. 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 I did, I did, somebody suggested to me it was a uh, portal to a parallel universe. Um, I don't know if, if maybe that's a universe okay. the Warriors. Maybe it's a universe the Warriors can win the premiership in. I'm not sure, but uh, that, that it's, they it, want to be in. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's certainly it's not a uh, not a bar on the old '92 uh, North Sydney Bears shirt. That's for sure. Uh, no, no, there'll never be anything to replicate that, mate. But um, uh, sticking with the harness theme, mate, tonight uh, Alexander Park just six races, but I really like one in race five, number two, Steal the Show. He comes through a New Zealand Cup campaign and uh, gets into that race beautifully, I reckon. And tomorrow they race on the grass at Akaroa. Uh, race ten, number two, Skittle Bomb should take a lot of beating. So there's plenty of racing on. Uh, Wingatui, they race on the grass there today. The old Fulbury Park harness meeting there. So that kicks off at uh, about four o'clock this afternoon. They've got ten races there. So something for everyone. Two grass track meetings and then the Grand Prix with Harness Racing New Zealand and Addington Raceway on Sunday. Mate, it's going to be a massive weekend. I uh, hope you survive it. Go well, Greg. Will do. Appreciate it, Ricardo. All the best. Yeah, you too, bud. You too. Have a great weekend. Uh, you can live the dream and get involved in harness racing today. New Zealand Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. It's 10 away from 12. Hey, good morning. It is uh, five away from midday, not too far away from uh, staff taking over the chair. Before we do that, though, just updating you with the uh, Australian Open leaderboard, uh, which is uh, you can view on Spark Sport, uh, the Australian Open. David Machaluzzi, the Australian, he is leading he's at seven under at the moment. Uh, he tees off again at around uh, in around 55 minutes. Josh Geary, the Kiwi. Tied for second at four under at the moment. And uh, Pierre Pinot, Hayden Barron, 
and uh, uh, are also there tied at four under. They have to go back uh, yesterday. Uh, had a little bit of a nightmare, did old Cameron Smith. Uh, mm. Sam joins us in studio now to talk Spark Sport and what's coming up, mate. But yeah, Cameron Smith even gave himself a surf. Yeah, still on the uh, celebratory beers, I think, from uh, last weekend, coming down off the height. I think Ryan Fox is actually struggling a little bit as well um, in the Australian Open. So he's thre- uh, you know, the threat of missing another cut there for, for R Fox. But um, look, it's all live on Spark um, over the weekend. Ricardo, I think coverage today starts from uh, 2 o'clock. So you can tune in and watch the leaders go for it. Josh Geary, like you mentioned is in the hunt um, so I'm really looking forward to that over the weekend good to put some golf on when the sun's out you park up on your couch just having a look uh, Ryan Fox has already teed off today and he's one under oh good man so he's, he's uh, bouncing back he's bouncing back he's currently tied for 23rd good man alright well you'll, you'll be catching him probably halfway through his round um, when the coverage kicks off in about an hour on uh, on Spark so uh, tune in to the and then later on this evening Ricardo mm. you've got the uh, the White Ferns Bangladesh opening T20 um, so that's uh, first boy. I think at about 7, 7.30 but the coverage starts at 6.30 and then we'll have the the second game on Sunday as well. So good, good to see the White Ferns back in action at home. Yeah, exactly, because uh, they've got Bangladesh, uh, three T20s, three ODIs, and then who was it, February next year is the ODI, uh, the T20 World Cup in South Africa, yes, right? Yes, yep. So I'm, I said to staff yesterday, actually, good to see the White Ferns back in action you know, after that World Cup, and we talked about the momentum of building off that World Cup. So, yeah, great to see them uh, back at home. If you if you want to try something else over the weekend, Ricardo, just uh, step outside your comfort zone. I know you love the, the Women's um, Barclays Super League, yeah. uh, basically the the Women's Premier League, but uh, United Rugby Championship, that's on over the weekend. Um, a lot of the internationals will probably be returning back to their clubs before the Six Nations, so good chance to see them. And then uh, we've got NFL on uh, on Monday. We've got our, um, our, our, I don't know, a wave of, of NFL games on yeah. Sparks. We've got the, uh, the Vikings, the Jets, uh, the Giants facing off the Commanders. The commandeers, I call them, and the uh, the forty nine ers going up against the Dolphins. Oh, the forty nine ers Dolphins. That's that used to be uh, a sexy yeah. matchup in the days yes. of of Dan Marino and Joe Montana. Montana. Yeah, Dan yeah. Marino. Um, do you have an NFL team, by the way? I don't know. Yeah, the Raiders. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. A tragic, a tragic Raiders fan. And I've seen you wear the Boston Celtics hat. Are you a Celtics fan? I'm a Celtics fan. Good man. Yeah, yeah. Good just, man. just from going back from when I was a kid, Sunday afternoons, we used to get a bit of uh, NBA playoff. You get about an hour's highlights. Yes. It was always Larry Bird versus Magic. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're the Celtics Lakers. And uh, did you have? Do you have an NHL team? No, not really. I, I kind of. I used to follow the Oilers. I was going to say you're a Canadian guy. You're you're an yeah. Oilers or a, or a Calgary Flames. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a Calgary Flames T-shirt that That's I picked right. up on special somewhere just because I wanted a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, Oilers. I used to flat with a Canadian guy who was an Oilers fan, so we used to watch Oilers games oh, together. Who boot it? Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Who boot? Who boot it? it? Nice. Boot yeah. It. So look, tons on uh, on Sparksport over the weekend, Ricardo. But yeah, I'll have my eyes firmly glued to the uh, to the Australian Open. Yeah.